0: This episode of the Weekly Standard Podcast is sponsored by The Great Courses. The Great Courses brings engaging video and audio lectures presented by top professors and professionals on a wide variety of subjects to your fingertips. The Great Courses has a collection of lecture series geared towards professionals, including Scientific Secrets for a Powerful Memory, How Conversation Works, Art of Public Speaking, and Influence. Mastering Life's Most Powerful Skill. These series offer great tools and insights for anyone looking to improve their recall at work, hone their presentation skills, or become a better negotiator. And now, for a limited time, The Great Courses has a special offer for Weekly Standard listeners. Order any of these four business and presentation courses for just $9.95. This special price of $9.95 is only available for a limited time. Order today, Go to thegreatcourses.com slash WS to find out more. That's thegreatcourses.com slash WS. Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. With us is Fred Barnes, the Weekly Standard, who has covered so many debates. But Fred, I've never seen anything like this 17-way race, two-tiered debates. Have you seen anything like it? And how is it likely
1: to play out? Well, I think there are different ways of looking at it. one, In one way, you can say uh, it's, uh, there are two debates, but it comes down to 16 candidates and one candidate. Whether we like it or not, mm-hmm. uh, this first debate, or rather it is the second debate, starts at 9 p.m. Eastern time, goes for two hours, and includes among the candidates, Donald Trump. Well, uh, Michael, at the moment, Donald Trump is the Republican campaign. Uh, he, he has disrupted everything. In the campaign, the other candidates who were never particularly uh, entrepreneurial anyway don't seem to be saying much. Um, they're they're quiet. It really is a, a been a pretty prosaic campaign, despite the fact that there are really uh, a number of impressive Republican candidates. But look, this this debate uh, has to deal with Trump, and I'm expecting uh, uh, the Fox uh, so-called moderators to be really uh, tough on. Trump, in the sense of asking him questions and forcing him to uh, try to answer them in a way that other interviewers haven't. You know, what uh, does he have a real serious agenda? I mean, how does he intend Mexico to pay for that wall across the southern border? Um, what's his uh, immigration policy? We know he's not crazy about immigrants, but you know, does he have a real policy? Well, what are the details of it? How would it work? Um, and so on. There's just all kinds of questions to ask him, serious questions that you would ask any other candidate. But there are things that uh, uh, Trump has never answered. And the other candidates, I mean, how many times can you ask uh, about uh, from Scott Walker, you know, what uh, what in the world was he doing attacking uh, public sector unions in Wisconsin and on and on with other candidates. But look, I think this is the Trump debate.
0: Uh, so is that good news or bad news for the Republicans? You've just described in a way that it could be bad news, which is an obsession with Trump and his answers and ignoring the answers of the nine other people on the stage. But what about the fact that it appears that there'll be a huge tune-in for a debate 15 months before we actually pick a president?
1: Yeah. Um, well, we are going to see a lot of Trump. i will see the other candidates who won't make fools of themselves. You know, a friend of mine, Scott Reed. Who ran Bob Dole's campaign back in 1996 says, "Look, what they need to do is this campaign started early. Uh, most of them announced uh, months and months ago, and they need to really reintroduce themselves and tell, and tell voters out there, uh, potential primary voters, which will be a lot, um, exactly what their story is, why they're running, why they want to be president, what they intend to do, and if they have a if they're governors and and have a strong record, they can um, make the argument anyway that what I did as governor." and I think Jeb Bush has already uh, made this argument, and others have, but particularly Jeb Bush, uh, what I did as governor of Florida, uh, the kind of thing that I did, I will do this as president. So I think they, I mean, it's sort of going back to square one, but this has been a long campaign, and and, uh, uh, there haven't been, I think, that many voters who've actually seen these candidates, and they will be a lot tomorrow night.
0: Uh, looking back on campaigns that you've covered and you've covered one or two, Fred, mm-hmm. uh, does, yeah, a, one or
1: two. does,
0: does a year in the past or a specific debate or moment in the past or race in the past come to mind?
1: Well, the one that I'm, I'm reminded of the ones I'm reminded of are, are and happen to be the ones I remember the best. And those were the ones in 2011 and 2012, just because there were so many candidates. I don't remember a lot of debates with, uh, Early, I mean, going back to 1980, what did you have? How many candidates in the debate? You may have had, you know, I guess there were, you know, there might have been six or seven, but uh, um, the uh, the most famous debate, of course, in the 1980 race was the one-on-one debate in Nashua uh, between Ronald Reagan and, and George H.W. Bush. Um, but think of the ones back in, in 2011 and 2012. I think they show... Uh, that's something I'm I'm writing in a piece I've done for the Wall Street Journal uh, for tomorrow's paper, and that is uh, that uh, debates usually don't affect the course of the campaign, but they can affect candidates a lot. Uh, remember Herman Cain, nine nine nine. He uh, he. Uh, he uh, people forget he was riding very high. He was uh, uh, tops in, in in Republican polls, maybe about this time in 2011. Uh, and oh, a, a few months later, there was a, a debate on national security. He, he was lost. He didn't have anything to say, really, and uh, and he soon faded. Well, uh, and this happened to other candidates.
0: Well, Fred, I, I think that the <laughs> Herman Cain analogy is very apt because of the timing because of the media friendliness mm-hmm. of Herman Cain. You know, he knew, in fact, he's a talk mm-hmm. show host. Uh, in, uh, in fact, he's my competition on the radio in Atlanta every day. Really? Yeah, and uh, so, you know, he knows. <laughs> well, you're more
1: genial. The, yeah,
0: and he's, he knows them. I'm not as good as math. I, I got a, I was trying to come up with yeah. 10, 10, 10. But anyway, my point is, I see a lot of analogies. But what here's what concerns me. I've been playing a piece of audio for people for the last 48 hours. It's from a Frank Luntz mm-hmm. focus group, in which yep. a f- clearly frustrated Republican turns to one of his fellow Republicans, who's a Trump supporter, and starts going through issues. You know, he gave money to Hillary Clinton. You know, he was pro-abortion. Uh, he was pro-socialized medicine. And the Trump voter kept saying as loudly as she could, "I don't care. I don't care. I don't care." Yeah. And that's what I wonder is. Is there something about Donald Trump that makes even the premise of the debate sense pointless for his supporters? Because they really aren't supporting for him f- for anything he would say there anyway. They're yeah, supporting him for what it says about them and for kind of this moment of anger that they believe he embodies.
1: Uh, I'll, ha- I'll have to say Trump has uh, focused on this group of people and a, a huge chunk of the Republican electorate, maybe a quarter or more, uh, they believe that, look, Republicans had these tremendous victories in 2014. They uh, now control the House and the Senate. They are dom- Republicans are dominant across the country in state houses, and they don't seem to be uh, producing much of anything. And, and, and Trump has become uh, their champion. But if Trump, in this nationally televised debate with these other candidates there, can't come up with credible answers to legitimate questions, about his agenda, if he actually has one, details of his plans on on immigration and health care and so on. Uh, he's got to deal with those. And I and I think the Fox questioners, who are tough, I know the three of them, they are really tough. Um, and and I think they're going to ask these questions. Look, but if he can answer them, if he really does have an agenda, if he really does have, well, look, on, a, on immigration, I want to do one, two, three, four, five. Um, well, then uh, I think he'll be in good shape. One but last question. Do that.
0: One last question. If you were advising someone on the uh, stage with Trump, would you advise them to a be the person who flatters him, as Ted Cruz is doing, or be mm-hmm. the person who is the who takes him on, so that should the Trump wave fade, you'll be perceived as somebody who you know confronted Trump. Which one is the smart place to be?
1: I think neither. The other day, he told Breitbart News that that uh, look what happened to the two guys who attacked me the most, Lindsey Graham and uh, Rick Perry. He said their polls went down, and now they're in the, in the JV debate, and, and he took credit for that. <laughs> he said it backfired on them attacking him, and maybe it did. Uh, anyway, look, I think the Republicans, the other nine, uh, have to rely on the Fox team to uh, uh, Deal with Trump and ask the tough questions. Well,
0: Fred Barnes, thanks so much for answering our questions for today's podcast. We appreciate your time. And always enjoy talking to you. You've been listening to the Weekly Standard podcast. Please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.